Father, we thank you for today and the blessings of the past. As always, we are grateful for the opportunity to again open your word, to have access to it, to open it, and we ask for your wisdom and the presence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit for enlightenment so that we might understand the truth there. And so, for this end, Lord, we pray that your will be done and us taking advantage of this opportunity today. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, James chapter 5. Um, reading from verse 1 through 12, and then doing a quick recheck uh, just to bring us up to speed on what we said, recap last week. But James 5, 7 through 12 reads as follows. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too, be patient. Strengthen your brothers, or strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's feelings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Verse 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. End of verse 12. Now just to recap what we said last week, the first five verses um, seem to be addressing those in the congregation who were rich and some advice for them and just the, maybe the beginning verses of each of the verses between 1 through 6 he says now you come now you rich so obviously we know who the intended subjects were come now you rich weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you Verse 2 says, Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted. Verse 4 Behold the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields. Verse 5 You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Verse 6 You have condemned and put to death the righteous man he does not resist you last week we talked about rich and context here obviously these are people in the congregation these are believers it's unfortunate that you have to 
give such harsh, well, warning, admonition to the rich. And it seems as if from verse 4, that these rich obviously be the fields that they had in their employ, uh, persons who they seemingly did not pay uh, proper wages to. And while they, in the meantime, had the excess um, of wealth that they splurged, as we say, and lived luxuriously, um, while the laborers were not paid what would be considered an adequate wages. Uh, now, in that context, as we said last time, try to view the letter as all being written at one time. So there are different aspects of the letter that will seem to be addressed specifically to a certain segment of the congregation. And out of this context, in terms of how the rich in this context seemingly were mistreating um, their, late, their employees, and at the same time, um, putting a lot of focus on their wealth as opposed to living, um, using their wealth as a blessing not um, only for themselves but so that others around them might be blessed as a result. This, these first few verses in chapter 5 seems to condemn the, this particular group of persons who were for rich. And then he slides, he changes the focus when we start in verse 7 by it says, Be patient, therefore, but question, why would one, what's the motive for being patient? Why would somebody ask to be patient? But these are the same people, because he uses the word, be patient, therefore. Now, I have therefore. Does anybody else have in verse 7 the word, therefore? Um, uh, all right, very good. So if we're saying, be patient, therefore, brethren, it is implied that, I guess, this segment of the congregation were not um, benefiting from the wealth of the rich. As a matter of fact, they may have been the ones who were mistreated um, on multiple levels because of the rich. But what is the motivation to be patient? That's good to say. Why would one want to be patient? Why would he say that? Why would you even tell me to be patient? I want to stop. Um, not be patient. What did we say to the workers who had a march two days ago, Labor Day? They're advocating they want essentially more money, uh, most, of them, most of the unions. And to say, be patient. They don't want to hear, be patient. Some of them think I've been patient long enough. Here, um, James is saying, the Apostle James is saying to these brethren, be patient. Obviously, you can tell from verse 5 that they've been suffering. But he says, be patient. Why? Why? why what's the motive for that? Other than just because you say so? You're not feeling what I feel could be the response. What's the motive to be patient? Therefore, therefore be patient. I just can't mistreat Therefore be patient. Huh. Wrong words. Out of here. Why? What do you think is embedded in this? Be patient, therefore, bro, brethren and sisters. Why? Because the Lord is coming. Now, why do you have to bring the Lord into this? 
could be the response. That's the greed. That's the motivation. Be patient because the Lord is coming. Sounds like a good enough motivation. Now, what's that got to do with it? Is he coming tomorrow? Um, next week? When is he coming? What would be the response? You don't know. So, in other words, that's encouraging. Hey, the Lord is coming. Be patient. Not sure when that is going to be. But still hang in there. Be encouraged. When the Lord comes, what's supposed to happen? By the way, when will this coming take place? And then what do you think it means? Lord is coming when? How? Charter plane? Helicopter? Rapture? Smoking. Okay. Uh, be patient, brethren. The Lord is coming. You get this letter because you've been suffering. This letter comes from the revered Apostle James, saying to be patient. The Lord is coming. What is implied or embedded in what is the Lord's coming has to do with my present circumstances? How will that? alleviate or improve my present condition. What's embedded in the Lord's coming? When you come to see that's justice. Because up to this point, a segment of the congregation were not receiving justice. So you think this is a, a deposit of hope hanging there at the end this will come to an end. Yeah. You think that was good advice? Watch, be careful what you say, because I have a second question. Um, do you think that's good advice, assuming you get a sense of what they were experiencing at this time? Where some segments of the society misused their wealth? Meaning, for them, they use it well because they got the advantage, but because of their wealth, the general populace, and in this case, the congregation here seem to have been the victims of the wealth. Because I'm assuming from verse 4, behold, the pay of the laborer, they're the ones who did all the work, or the hard of work, they, on the front line, and of course their employers got, and that's why people are in business, I guess, to make a profit. If I make 10, I can give you one, I keep nine. Right, yeah, <clears throat> because I own the place. You know, so see you next week, come again. So at the end of two weeks, I have $18, you have two. Very good. Smile a while, give your face a rest. All right, motivation. Be patient. Crisis coming, end of suffering. That's good news, hope, right? That's, that's good advice, you think James gave? All right, silence. Your silence is resoundingly loud. So let me ask the second question. Um, if you're in that position, how does it sound to you? Um, be patient. Um, the Lord is coming. Now, just to remind you, this is being said 2,000 plus years ago. So last week, you just come out of this difficult, another um, experience of being abused 
misused, neglected by other persons who have power or through their wealth or status position. And so some Christian brother or sister comes up to you and says, be patient, hang in there, I know it's not alright, but the Lord is coming um, and he's saying that to you. Um, do you uh, feel grateful such sound advice at the time, today? Uh, probably not. What would generally, if not, what is it, what it would be the general sentiments that you're feeling at the time? What would you prefer them to say? You're going to talk to the boss or the person who's causing the problem? You can't wait till Jesus comes because he's been coming a long time. Yeah, I know which road he's taken, but in several years, yes, several decades, I mean, several centuries, I mean, if you want to say thousands of years now, and he's still coming, and he lived that long. He, these people, you get me before you get out of this stuff. So, would that sound appropriate? Again, that's the advice these people are getting. By the way, do you, do you think, well, since we know that the persons, the immediate and first audience of this letter, none of them are probably still around, I guess. Because I, I don't think Jesus Christ has come back yet. So, you think they've gone to the grave thinking that James swing them? You got swing. James and Taylor, the truth. Or did they suffer until death? Do us part. Do you think they, they felt encouraged? And the grandchild who was, here, who was sitting in the congregation that day when they read this out loud, watching their grammy suffer, they said, Look, hang in there, be patient, my brethren, for until, be patient until the coming of the Lord. And so grammy there, you know, uh, mommy there. And Lord ain't coming here, where are you coming from? You know, I know I hear you live far. But whose method of mode of transportation is being kept here? As a matter of fact, I hold now myself. I am now a grandparent. And I still have motivation. <clears throat> What's he saying? What do you think? Do you think that it boosts one's faith, hope? Or this is just rhetoric? Empty words. Who may not? That sounds cliche. Religious. I don't think it, they're empty words, but I think probably more than a few people could have taken them as such. Is it applicable today? Can we learn anything? What would be the principle here? Just from reading this first about phrases here. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. One sense. Does that have any relevance today? Yes, But patient suggests something else is happening to you. Do you agree? Yeah. Patient does not exist in a vacuum. What has to precede patience? Try it. Another S word. Sugar. Struggle. I like suffering. Yeah, wow. Struggle, <laughs> trial, suffering. <laughs> All right. Those are the words. So if, so you can't develop, you can't, it, it makes no sense to tell me to be patient. 
unless there is something that precedes that. Something must not be going the way I would like for it to be going for them to say, be patient, right? The current condition or the, the immediate preceding condition has to be such that this is not what I want it to be. For someone for it to make any sense, for someone to come up to you and say, be patient. It implies that something just currently is happening that suggests that, hey, it's unlikely that I've reached the end of my patient. I have endured thus far, and I'm, I'm quitting here. I'm throwing in the towel. No more. No more. This is it. That's the last time, the last straw. That's it. Do you get that sense that that is possibly what he's saying? Would that make sense in the context without messing up the context? Yeah, you think that there's playing gymnastic with scripture, jumping, skipping. I don't want to misapply this. We agree that to be patient has to be something that precedes that. In this case, something well in the context, some rich people who mis well, you've been misused and abused and neglected. You have probably been underpaid. You know, you didn't get what you were. And then this person comes back to you and tells you to be patient. Is that that's that makes sense? Okay. If that is the case. Now listen, let's see if we can figure out, let's see if we can dive into James thought. And then to let's imagine what might have been the I guess the immediate first list is. Be patient therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And then he says, Behold. My behold means to look. Check, check this out. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient. Yes, I would again about it until it gets the early and late rains. Now, now I think this behold, the farmer is just probably an example to what he just said in the statement before about being patient. Do you think farmers are patient? Yes. By choice or force? Both. Show me the by choice part of it and I will guess the force. Why is a farmer, why do you think a farmer is patient? It was unanimous that farmers are patient. And uh, I've gotten one um, soft response that is by both. By choice and also by force. Why do you think the farmer is forced to be patient. Why would some you wouldn't want to get into a field where he is forced to do something? Much produce. You had it in a letter. Yeah. By force or by choice? <laughs> I have to wait like plants are growth and I can force the way. This, this, is, this example then of the farmer 
the farmer choose that, I guess, field, you know, where he knows that I'm going to put something in the ground. I cannot expect it like that story about Jack and the Beanstalk. You know, throw it out the window in the night, in the morning, you have a full-grown tree. Yes, sir, yes, a tree bags work. That don't work that way. So he knows that when he puts it in the ground, all the farm is required to do, well, those of you who are farmers, agriculturalists, dig the hole, prepare the ground, right? Put the seed in the ground, close it up, and if he's still at his farm, probably water it. That's it. Nothing else. The farmer then is powerless to do anything else. Agree? Some people even go ahead and put little, what you call, fertilizers around it. Miracle grow? <laughs> yes, sir. Around the, the, the thing. But after putting that in there, this chemical, he has to wait. Yes? What is the difference? I mean, just three words. Attitude, altitude, Let's keep the tube together. Let's put another tube in there. Attitude, altitude, fortitude. What's... Give me an altitude. No, let's give me an attitude. What's an attitude? A working definition just for us. We won't export it outside of the room. So no one could criticize us. But let's have an agreed um, view of what's an attitude. A, 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 a behemoth, you said? <laughs> A behavior. Attitude is a behavior. It's always negative. Right. <laughs> Which is sometimes be some people say that in a positive way too. Because they say, hey, hey, I like your attitude. You came in there with an attitude. What? That's what she has attitude. You know, and then you could depends on how you say that. You know, it can come back and turn and negative. But you see that attitude? She come with some attitude. But she bend your head down and raise your eyebrow. That's a negative, right? Attitude. But if you say attitude, that's amazing. These gestures, body language, the one word. You know, so because that urban cultural, it depends on where you say it, how you say it. Changes. So attitude can swing either way. It could be good or bad. But essentially, it's what the way you what yeah you how you go about how you go about. You can't say attitude is the way your attitude that you take. You project yourself. You project yourself, your feelings in any given context. Okay. What about altitude? Is there nothing to do alto and soprano music? Do you say hang up? Height. Height. How tall you are. How 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 high up you go? Above the ground. So that's that's altitude. Mm -hmm. What about? Well, let's see. We agree with that. Yeah, we can work that. Okay. So boy, we look down where we we sit in altitude. With the, the window here. Yeah, that's a SUV just passed it. The next thing would be fortitude. One, two, three, fortitude. What's a fortitude? <laughs> Re refuge. Strength. 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 Let's swing it around. 
Give, give, give me a, a quick sentence with fortitude in it, and then I, I'm going to see if I could understand what it means. If you can think of a sentence, just inject fortitude in it. She has shown great fortitude. I'm sorry. She has shown great fortitude. In what? When? Because that can help me to. That's going to help me with my definition. She has shown great fortitude while he was thinking about fortitude. <laughs> In a time of strife. In a time of strife. Mm -hmm. Fortitude. If, if I can just put another word in there, since we used some S words earlier with suffering, another word. If I say steadfast, would that fit? Is steadfast similar to fortitude? Fortitude, fortified, fortress, steadfast, strong, some people use, hanging in there. Well, he get fortitude. You not aspire to a lot of altitude, but he get fortitude. And fifitude. Thirtitude. <laughs> okay. Let's, yeah. Okay. Fortitude. This farmer, if he has forced by the nature of what he does, know that he has to be patient. Until, because the farmer has something in mind the end in view. Agree? If you know what the end is going to be, doesn't that some... Well, sure, I'm just implying it. Doesn't that sometimes encourage you, despite whatever you're going through now, if you know what the end is going to be like, then you can say, then I can handle Because then so much... Uh, make it so much incredibly wonderful for you that where you are, you have to go through this valley, as it were, until you get here. But if you don't have a clear view of what the end is like, then you can give up in the process. You think that analogy with the farm? Like, I'm going to put the seed in the ground and wait. Because it depends on what you put in the ground season. Some things come to fruition, you see it pop out the ground in two weeks, some less than that. Um, but then it grows up. How long does it take to have a corn? Um, I don't know because it before it reaches maturity. An apple, uh, a coconut tree, you ever plant a coconut tree um, you, in your lifetime <laughs> and see it bear coconut from just a dry coconut to process comes a mature tree. You tell somebody, wait for 20 years, you know, in 20 years you're going to be rich because you can sell your coconut or the rasta will sell it for you. But <laughs> you know, um, Whatever it is, to, if you could see the end result, then that can encourage you in the present. You think that's what's going on here? Because the farmer knows he has to be patient. He has to wait for the early rain, whatever that is, right? Because there's going to be the first part of, like, if it's a seasonal thing, usually if you plant during, depending on where you are in the season. Um, for us, we are now entering our rainy season, right? So we call these our first rain, early rain. You know, when does the rainy season in the Bahamas end? Y'all don't know, because y'all don't live here. I just just asking you tourists, just in case. November? Yeah. When does hurricane season begin? They say November 30th. They're making sure. Because as long as there, we are in the tail end of the rainy season. 
you know, so if the farmer is planting certain crops and he will rotate them, but he knows that, look, if this during this period, by that time, depending if you plant, let's say, a quick, there's the tomatoes. They have a, let's say, a seasonal product. You know, unlike coconut I used earlier, they're not, not seasonal, right? But like a tomato, there's best time to plant them, and let's say it's during the rainy season. Put them in the ground by uh, November, we're probably picking, eating tomatoes. All right. Several projects. And so while he's putting them in the ground, so he can't wake up tomorrow or by Friday, he's upset. This thing taking too long to come up the ground. Or this little green thing. Now they could need some things they can take to the produce, they can get this to super value. You know how many bushels I could send to make of this? You know? Lime, I've told that there's a scarcity in the Bahamas. Alright? I went yesterday in, um, to a, farm, um, a nursery and asked to look at a lime tree. They have Persian lime, lime and Bohemian lime, and, and yeah, this foreign lime. Anyhow, in a, in a pot. And it was a one gallon pot, they tell me. I asked, what was the cost of the plant? In the pot, it was probably that high. That's the support, and that's like that high. And um, I said, so how much is that? And the price is? Uh, that's only $25. All right. So, okay. Now, $25 for a lime. I said, do I need that lime? If you want, if I really want lime, so yeah, I can take that, invest in that, put it in the ground before they can mature. That's probably, and I don't know who they quickly they grow, we take become mature. Of course, we can accelerate the growth by giving it some hormones, right? We call fertilizer, <laughs> force the growth, you know, reach maturity. But whatever the period is, like the farmer used here, it's an investment. If I think that the value at the end is greater than where I'm at now, that will act as motivation for me to continue going through with it. So when the DMs tell these brothers here, I know you've been suffering. Be patient, because the Lord is coming. It implies that when the Lord comes, things can be much better. Therefore, hang in there. Agree? No? Think that's a that that'll work? Without me messing up the scripture? Look at what it says in um, verse um, 8. You too. Uh-oh. You too, meaning that, like the farmer, because two don't make any sense if you don't say, you too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts. I don't know how to do that. You got to do a lot of cardiovascular activity, right? It's true. You know, instead you strengthen. He isn't talking about that organ. Strengthen your heart. What does he mean by that? For the coming of the Lord is that huh, strengthen your heart, encourage your heart. Where the heart is not encouraged, it is weak. Would that be natural? If you know, yeah, we got. And some places where you are weak at, better get in the gym. You know, or, or hit the road. Hit the road, Jack. Don't come back no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. I mean, get out of here. That's not what it meant. Um, strengthen your heart, encourage your heart. In other words, it is possible that people who are in difficult situation can lose, become impatient. And impatient, I'm going to make that synonymous with having weak heart. Your heart getting weaker, weaker. The more impatient you become. You're, you're weakening, you're ready to quit, give up. And so you have a weak heart. But he's saying, God, strengthen one another's heart, strengthen your heart. And open he tells you why, because the Lord is, is coming, is at hand. That means he's bringing something that will bring me relief. But like I said earlier, they've been saying that more than 2,000 years ago. I want it now. 
even though Domino takes long to come, they don't give you that 30-minute window. When I order that, they, I need that coming, you know? So this Lord coming now, they, I sure I wait for that. I need to see if I can do something myself to get busy quicker than that. I am not taking this anymore. I quit. Or oh, I'm going to take, as we say, modest into my own hands. And some people do that. Whether it's appropriate here, James is saying, no, don't do that. And listen to verse 9. Do not, uh-oh, what's this got to do? Do not complain, brethren, against one another. But why would all of us in the same place suffering? You know, and I'm reading this telling me to be patient. The Lord is coming. Okay, okay. Then he turns around and says, don't complain among yourselves. I used to really complain. Anybody have another word in your version? Don't grumble about each other. Grumble, complain. To grudge. Grudge. Ooh, that's, that's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I want, oh, tell me something. Oh, isn't that crazy, though? Why would, all, why would we want to be complaining and grudging um, against one another? Because if you tell me don't do it, the implication is that it's going on now. But why would we do that? We're in the same place. What's in your DNA that caused that to come up with cat and dogs? <laughs> what do you think is better than that? Don't do that, he said. Because you're impatient and you feel the wrong. But he told, told all of us in the same, we work on the same farm. And we get in the same suffering. So why do I now turn and set up my, what I, my, my discomfort, my... I don't know, my impatience towards the employer. Why now turn it towards you and I who are fellow laborers, my own fellow employee? You, we also work in the same place. We get in the corner and we complain about the boss or the conditions of work. Then I start complaining and arguing, complaining about you. I start fighting verbally, I guess. That's how it should begin. Up against one another. And he's saying to these Christians, don't do it. But where does that come from? If you can't go after the person who's the actual cause of the problem, then you go after whoever you actually can. Where where does that walked, switch, displaced? I need to I need to hurt somebody. I need to rouse somebody. I need to insult I need to get something we say off my chest. And so whoever's nearby get dumped on. I need to unload this. And so if it's in your yard, I don't care. I see dogs do that. When they need to unload, they don't ask which yard or grass they're on. <laughs> they, they just walk and decide to take a stop. They don't say, no, no, that's off limit. Do not deposit here. Yeah, that dog, dog, that dog, okay. You know. so, so how we, why do we then turn in almost eating ourselves up? You know, in other words, we start rowing among ourselves. You think that that didn't go back to that sin thing in us? Boy, you know, like, yeah, when it comes right down to it, all, every man for himself, and God for us all. Okay, but I, I jump ahead of this line, but I hear, them, I hear that pan ringing, they're serving food. I went on top of that line, but you know, or if I know you and you're in front of the line, I come on the side, you know, come alongside you like the Holy Spirit, you know, like the paracletus. Say, hey, hey, you know, why don't you show me that plate, you know, come with that drumstick over there. Then flip that over your shoulder. I got it. What? <laughs> What's going on here? This is telling us here, I think, um, be patient, 
Yes, I got that. But why you tell me do not complain, brethren, against one another? And he tells you why. Why? Why shouldn't I do that? Why shouldn't I be why shouldn't we be rowing among ourselves? What's the motivation? Why you like every time you say something like that, why you tell me that? Seems like well, give me a good reason why I shouldn't. I get upset, you know. So but tell why shouldn't I do? Be patient, why shouldn't? Tell the Lord is coming. The implication is when he comes, if you have that in view in your mind. Okay. Remember Paul says it another place. That well, move back a little. What do you think heaven is like? Give me give me one word as a descriptor. What do you think heaven is like? Don't after boring, because I know some people already have boring. You know, it's so boring. Boring. Don't give me boring. I already have that one now. You know, what do you think heaven is like? One word, because otherwise people will say a lot of words, and I, I I don't have the capacity. You know, I still go to primary school and bright. bright. So you need to wear shades. Make sure you get to the shades because, you know, you damage your retina. Okay? Yeah. Okay, it's a bright place. That means no Negroes. Okay. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Just check. All right, just check. Okay. What else? It's a bright place. It's glorious. Glorious. Which is another, get some brightness attached, embedded in that glory. Could be. Right, pure, a beautiful, oh, so sorry, beautiful, pure, no contaminants, and the other one, what was false? Only the street. So what if I on the street? In heaven, it's just a place full of highways. I think pretty busy to me. Then contaminants, no pollutants there, you know, pure, <coughs> you know, um, yeah, environmentally sensitive. <coughs> if you knew what heaven is like, and you know for certain that that's your destiny, wherever you are now, Paul says it this way, that what he's experienced now is like, eh, piece of cake, light stuff. Compared to the weight called the heavy weight of glory, what he will experience when he gets to heaven. When he puts those two in context, he's encouraged and says, Whatever you do to me is, ah, I can handle that because this is temporary. But when he sees what his end goal will be, that will be forever, his experience, then he says, This is a piece of cake. I, I can handle this. And that brings perspective, I think, to wherever you are. If you knew you were, if you knew, I understand there's a game going on like basketball, those who watch basketball, you know, I know. I understand there are some people playing, one from Miami or Florida and one from Texas, two teams, yeah? If you knew today what the end will be, who will win? Now, some people have this strong view and say, they're already saying, I know it's going to win. You'll win, you know, because I, I like, you know, but the point would be asking, so what will be the final score since you know the end? Come on, come on. Some people will even guess what the score will be. I don't want no guess. I want precise guess. You know, I want to know exactly what's going to be the score. And since you already know that, okay. But supposing someone is able to do that. People who are watching the game, I think the next game comes on to today. Tonight, today is the evening at some point, right? The second game. So if you, the team that you know is going to win does not win today, game. You, because you have this private secret knowledge, you won't get upset. 
about the end result because you already know what it's going to be. So while you have some people around, sitting in a barber chair in the beauty salon, talking about who play, like they know these people first time, you know, like they have lunch with them every day, you know, and these people know none of them. LeBron doesn't know anybody in the barber. Certainly, you know you. I, it probably doesn't know me, all right? Yeah. And I probably miss him if I walk and dance room. But the point would be, we talk as if we we know these people. We spend a significant amount of our time, and some people row with one another. You know, if you're not a Miami Heat fan. Or if you are a sports Spurs fan, some people take that personal, and they will call you names. I mean, other names that your parents gave you, you know, because you choose to be on the side. But if you just listen to all this, it's almost ridiculous. And you think, but I didn't know. Who to but you don't want to tell that because they'll say you're crazy. But nobody's not going because he's just the best player. He's, he don't play good, and they're going on. He's this coach now, or the ref didn't do. It's crazy, and you're just smiling a while, give your face a rest. Because you know what the end is going to be. So you could be calm. Because you already know what's going to be. If you already know what heaven is going to be like, that's your final destination. Whatever you're going through now, nah, it's okay. I can handle it. I can live it. So what James tells me to be patient, he gives me the example of the farmer. Okay, farmer puts him going away. Because the farmer knows at the end he's going to get, he know I'm going to get a bumper crop. I just need to be patient. Wait for the early rain and the late rain. I know it's going to be at the end, so I'm encouraged. I can have that. And so the same advice he gives us here in these verses. Then he talks about, don't complain now about one another. Why? But he tells you something else. He says, that joy, you yourself may not be judged. Oops. Somebody's going to judge me. If we complain, by the way, when we complain, are we making a judgment, right? When we complain. If I complain about you, am I making a judgment against you? I'm passing judgment. Yes? Something you say, I'm, I'm making judgment. That's not the way it should be done. Yeah. Or that's not when it should have been done. And so we make judgment. And he's telling us, don't do that to one another. That you yourself may not be judged. Behold. Again, this behold thing. Behold, take a look at this. Behold, judge. Uh-oh, and that's a capital J. This is not Judge Judy J. I don't mind you know right now. This is not her, because she's, she's going on by. Right. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. That's, who's that J? I'll give you a clue. Name starts with J. James? James? Oh, you're <laughs> <Huh? laughs> right. Behold, he's standing at the door. Wait for it. But this is interesting. How come he's so close now? He's right at the door. And when I want him to come earlier, in verse 9, when they tell me to be patient, and they just say he's coming. Well, he's been standing at that door for a long time. You know, what's he doing? Picking his fingernail? Eating him? He's still at the door, waiting for a long time. Don't judge. In verse 10 says, as an example, uh-oh, brethren of, brethren of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Oh, another example. That means Christians must suffer and they need to be patient. You don't be patient first, then you suffer after that, right? Or some people say that. They say, look, I'm so patient. And some people tell you, you know why you suffer, where you, you do patient, but And that's very we, we can swing that like that. Why are you so patient, but you so off? You push over, but you know, that's why you're suffering like you. Like you is. Suffering <laughs> precedes patience. How many of you would love to be impatient? I just love being impatient. Isn't that something to aspire to be? Impatient. 
How many of you like to be in? Well, let's put it in Let's take the imam. How many of you like to be a patient? A patient. Well, that's one place you can be. And you have different kinds of hospitals. Those who are physically ill, those who are mentally ill, patient. <laughs> All right. Impatience, though, always precedes suffering. But if, would, you, would you like to be patient? Some people say, yeah. But nobody tends to be, I want to be impatient. Some people, but some people tell you that. They will advertise it. They say, you know, I, I am patient. I short a patient. I'm short-tempered. And they say that as uh, news birthing, something to be proud of. You say, okay, he, she is short on patience, so please, they can't handle suffering. And as a matter of fact, I'm striving to be one day, I'm going to be very impatient. How many of you like to join in my impatient kind? <laughs> it's weird. Exactly the kind of response you will get. As an example, brethren, suffering and patience take the prophets who. Now, I don't, in a few minutes we get. Do, can you name a prophet from the Old Testament who you thought was patient? Or you couldn't leave Job out of there. My favorite guy. You thought Job was patient? Did Job suffer though? Yes. Yeah. Only a little bit though, right? Oh man, a lot, lot was not there, right? As Abraham nephew. <laughs> but thank you. The real estate, we just swing that. All right. So, so lot, Job is one of them. Give me another prophet. Who you there? Moses was a prophet. Be careful. Was Moses a prophet? I just checking. I didn't ask him. See, we might take him for granted. Well, let me ask you: Did Moses ever suffer though? Yes. This boy was brought up in the palace. He was living high on the hog. Yeah, but he didn't know no different. He's living when he was for a while. For forty years. He's old man. I mean, forty years. No, I, but did he suffer? How did he suffer? Give me an example of how he suffered. Moses. One, I, because I, you say he suffered. How did he suffer? He had to be cast a little bar. That's a behemoth word. With, 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 with he had to deal with behemoth people. <laughs> okay, yeah, somebody. <clears throat> yeah, that's going to be serious suffering. Yeah. I, Moses, Job, I need one more so we can have an uneven number. Give me another prophet. Well, yeah, can't say talk about prophet, they want to stick with the context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they didn't say, yeah. They say, as an example, behold, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they said, consider um, the prophets. Okay, I just want to see if we can find any prophets, see if they're telling me the truth here. And since you read to John, John was a prophet. Which John? What's the prophet? Okay, you sure? Is, is that your final answer? <laughs> so we, we, we still have dispute going on here. Uh, we have to resolve this, people. John, he was the last prophet. Okay, me, 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 Robert. But John suffered though. He did? What, eating bee and honey? Well, how did he suffer? 
But he didn't know that. That was no suffering. That was quick. He was in prison for a while before that, though. Mm-hmm. And he was ridiculed. They didn't call him names. You know? Call him names. That's not nice. Trying to um, insult his attitude. Put in prison. Why? Just because he told the truth? Then the king says, you marry your brother wife. In a way, that, that ain't right. King didn't like that, so they take him out of the street. You can't let him, you see, get him. Lock him up, you know. You don't have newspapers, don't have media, don't have access to the prison. You know. <laughs> exactly. And so let's, let's, let's read it through verse 12 and then shut up. All right. Behold, you, um, we count those blessed. That is those prophets. Verse 11. Behold, those persons, we said Moses was a blessed man. You said Job was blessed, right? Do you remember Job as an example, what the end was like for Job? Plus, you get a bumper car, right? Um, I don't know when you think of John. We think John got. He got a new head, right? Uh, he was beheaded. Or a head. He had a head, but they beheaded him. Yeah, yeah. You see, you see, you see the head I talking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so he went. His new body is in a new place. At least until then, he can get, he can get, he can get a Jacob put on yet. But he has a new. Certainly, being in the presence, he's been transported. He got to go home early. You know, he didn't stay in school for the whole week. Some people like that. You know, I don't be in school. You have a abbreviated week, holiday. You know, can't be up three holidays in one week. You know, as a permanent thing, we should put on the calendar. You know, yeah. Somebody say, hey, man. You know, well, no, you want to. After a while, you, you, when you don't work, you don't get paid. So, why you to bring that unpleasant topic up? Well, here's what's going on. Behold, we count those blessed, those prophets of old, like Abraham, man, Moses, somebody said John, and even most. Um, you have heard of the endurance of Job, yeah, here he is, and have seen the outcome of his Lord's dealing that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, verse 12. But above all, after all of these things, he says, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth, um, or with any other oath, let your oath, let your yes be yes, you know, be no. Um, so that you do not fall under judgment. In other words, concluding thought is, uh, don't swear. What do you mean by swear? Let me close it before I see another question. What does it mean? Do not swear by heaven or by earth or any other oath. Do not make an oath. What is an oath? Because a promise. A promise. It's a kind of promise. A kind of promise. When you promise something, but instead of it just being between you and that person, there's usually something else that sort of serves as like a witness to make sure that to enforce it. And a lot of the times, it was like of God or something that wasn't. So you summon something that is superior to both you and well, that thing that adds credibility to the promise. Yeah. Somebody says. I swear to God. Yikes. You know? Um, say, will God be my witness? Some people use behemoth people. Um, that's a note. Is that a curse? 
I swear by heaven. I swear that I swear to heaven. Uh, I swear to earth. Any other, it's not necessarily meaning or says, you know, curse, uh, meaning that profanity or uh, the call essentially means to call God's name in vain. Probably a reflection way back to Exodus, the Lord. Thou shalt not call the Lord thy God. And you as a Christian, because you are a Christian, when you say something, it should be, because you are a Christian, the embodiment of what you, who you are, Christ representative, then you're the veracity of anything that you say, the truthfulness of anything that you say, needs not to be um, witnessed by any other thing other than the fact that I'm saying as a Christian, but that's a high standard, because we know Christians don't always tell the truth all the time, because we have to figure out if it's convenient for us. If it gives us an advantage or makes us look a certain way, we will sometimes avoid the truth, bend it a little bit, put in a little smug a little word in this so that we can say, I didn't say that, but you also didn't say that either. You know, so we're very manipulative of the language. Don't curse. If you say yes, let your yes mean yes. If you say no, let your no be no. So that you will not be judged by you. If we go way back up to the first, the judge is still at the door waiting, you know, for those persons who, and is talking to us as Christians. Let your yes be yes, you know, you know. And that's it. And then he moves on to the next segment, verse 13 and following, um, about how do you deal with somebody who's sick? What do you do with them? Call the ambulance. You'll see it right in there. Verse uh, Let's close in prayer. <laughs> Father, thank you again for the moments you've been privileged and gracious enough to give us today. We pray that again that these few moments would have a um, lasting effect on us as we look for opportunities to recall them, but also to apply them into our lives, to encourage our hearts, so that when we are indeed um, faced with trials, temptations, and suffering of any kind, that we will um, have the uh, view in mind that Christ is indeed coming back, and our final destination is to be with Him in glory. We pray that that will be our experience and our reality from day to day. These things we ask in His name, Jesus Christ. Amen.